Happy New Year and welcome to the Find and Follow podcast where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. We're back in 22. We made it. Here we are. Even we on are. a snowmageddon kind of day. Barely made it. Kyle, Craig, and I and our guest, Sarah Cottom. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for getting the dog sled team out today and joining us. Um, but we were just talking beforehand. It's just called uh, Winter in Spokane. Exactly. <laughs> it snows. But it's not always this much snow no we if we're consecutive i mean the fact that and it's supposed to snow all day yeah. and then tomorrow yeah it's legit but it's uh you know like but it's spokane it's spokane, it is spokane. you it is shovel January. your driveway you drive I or mean, you whatever you need to do to get to you where don't you're going. shovel your driveway and you just yeah, deal with it i know i am going snowboarding tomorrow though for sure it's okay happening. well that's good yeah stay in bounds don't go don't to get the, the avalanche, avalanche areas uh, there have been people. Yeah, I just heard in the news about a guy that was he was in bounds. He didn't yeah. go to, but on he, Schweitzer. Yeah, and he spent yeah. the night there. And they found him the next morning. Yeah, he I was in bounds, but North Pole. And if you know that terrain, it's it's kind of out of bounds esque. And there's tons of trees, and you can get stuck between stuff. Or I've been upside down, like on a groom trail, went and caught the edges. I slipped, fell, went upside down in a tree well. You know, can trees tree can just wells. make a big deep. Yep. And I was upside down with my skis still on. That was one of the most scariest moments i've had with skis on yikes yeah snow starting to come in on you you can't really like yeah a little dangerous suffocating so well and then there's that time you and josh went down through out of bounds over snoqualmie and he ended up hitting his head and had a concussion that's a whole nother that's a whole we we need to get him on the podcast for that (laughs) we need that kind of time uh for that but uh we're back and um i know people are dying to hear about Family Olympics is one of our Langhands traditions at Christmas time. Uh, Craig was a champion, and Scott was a champion. I like how you lead with that. <laughs> so, you, right, you're trying to say you guys did good, but on you didn't indi- win on the individual sports. Were you not an we, individual we, sport winner? Cindy, yeah, Cindy and I okay. dominated in darts. There you go. And you Ooh, dominated. That's a good alliteration. Was it pool or shuffleboard? Shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. Amy and I were shuffleboard superstars. Mm, that's cool. So overall, you did not win. We had fun, so we felt like that was a win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Keyword was was. You notice how he's avoiding I the was question. Champion. Exactly. No, yeah. he's ben deflecting. And the took the trophy if home he had won, he would not be deflecting. Oh, yeah. Well, my dad did really good at darts. He would be like, <laughs> yeah, we crushed everybody. We barely lost. It really was tight to the it, end. It, it was very tight. And But when Cindy and I realized that we couldn't win, just statistically in the brackets, you know, it just wasn't going to happen, we started rooting for Scott and Amy because Jeremy and Nary weren't going to win either. We could tell that. So have, have Jeremy and Nary ever won? Yes. They, they did. They okay. Went, Came up on a memory. It was like nine years ago. It was their one, only win. One time, yeah. Yep. So, Every, we started so everybody's won because Craig and Cindy won last year. Yep. So everybody's first won. first year? That when was he, our first year. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, like it, Nobody ever 13. gave us a chance. What, what do you mean didn't give you a chance? It's your house. House rules your games. No, I think no, you didn't I mean, give yourself a chance. People's attitudes. It's like, oh, they'll never win. Yeah. In fact, even you guys would say that from time. Oh, because we were win. watching you play. Yeah, because you never had won. <laughs> hey, there's a thing. S- there was at least one year I know we came in second. Yeah. And we would win some some events. I like how you guys are really hyping up the fact that oh well we won a game we came it was really close we came in mm-hmm. second you lost correct we okay. lost. I'll say it. Okay. I lost. We lost. Well, but you know, one of it us wasn't was a in blowout. fourth place. That's not bad. Were you in fourth place? Or no, did you? I think that was Jeremy and yeah. Nary, wasn't it? We Yeah, we kind of just keep track of who win wins. But it gets pretty competitive. Of course, fourth place if is If people are unaware, place. sir, I don't know if you're aware, um, we, do, we do step it up. For, so we play pool, shuffleboard, like table. You have a I've third, seen the bracket. Foot, you've yeah, seen the bracket. Ping you? pong darts. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm it's not like, hey, we're just going to casually play. Like, we play a ton of games as a family at Christmas. Like, let's play cards, play dice, whatever. But when it comes to Olympics, it is game on. Like, people get nerves and get sweaty. Everyone wants to do well. <laughs> it's like two hours of pretty intense competition. So, a little bit of a strain on some marriages, let's just say that. Pretty so good recently. How Pre- many years have you won? You and Amy? I, we were trying to put it together because my little brother, Ben, if you're listening, he was trying to tout how many times he's won out of 13 or 14. So we can't remember. It's at least two, but no think, more than three. Yeah, I think it's two. So and they've won we've been won doing most. it for 13 or 14 years. Mm. Yeah. So we've won two. You've won one. So out of 13 years, they've probably won nine. So yeah. that's why we all are and against And that's them. where the Champions. debate is. I okay. saw that he posted on social media. It's nine or ten. So there's a debate there. Yeah, because well, we can't remember if the first Christmas we were in the house, if we did Olympics or not. Because the whole downstairs was unfinished. It was a different era. And 
I don't know. This is kind keep of been good an records. evolving thing. Yeah. We should have a record Yeah, we book. should have an almanac. It's like the Olympics where you can go back. <laughs> we really should, yeah. just for fun. Anyways, so now fun. the the little the little kids that are bigger, they play their own Olympics, play pool against each yep. other. Cousin copy, Olympics. Copy surprise, not surprising. What do you guys so do fun. for Christmas as a family? Sarah, just to get to know you a little so bit we, here. Yeah, we do not have a tradition that we do. However, this year we went to New Orleans. And just randomly, we ended up booking a cruise to go to Mexico. And then instead of flying back, you know, we're on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, we're like, let's just rent a house on the bayou. And that's exactly what we did. Oh, my goodness. Yep, awesome. rented a house. And so we did a week in on the cruise, and then we stayed a week later. So we were gone for two weeks this oh, year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was that? Sunburn. <laughs> came back to what Winter Wonderland. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. Wow. So what was the weather Christmas Day for you? It was 82. Wow. <laughs> and muggy? Yeah. No, it was beautiful. Oh, was and it? Like, like, I mean, yes, humidity and all that. A little bit, little, you know, can you tell on my face a little bit? No? I didn't push record on the camera. Should I go push the record on the camera? Uh, I, I could. You can go push that? Yeah. We're good. Though. We got so much technical start stuff here. I thought you did. So if you're... If you you're, did? Oh, I did? Look. Oh, good. All right. Well, you know. Hey, I you mean, know, hey. first one back, sorry. It just hit me like people on YouTube would have had a, like a graphic of us. Well, while we're at yeah. it, twelve minutes and double checking, so, did you push record at the? Oh yeah, soundboard? that one's rolling. Okay. We're good. So so and so that was this year, okay. And normally I'm like the party planner. If anyone knows me, that's what I love to do. I love organizing. I love parties. So I will throw probably four to five to six to seven <laughs> white elephant parties with my different friends and families throughout the Christmas season. So that's what I like to do. And then after we just left and went to New Orleans, I go. I think I'm gonna be leaving for christmas now so i think that might be our new tradition okay i did get home and book a cruise for next christmas already <laughs> oh wow so. where'd you guys go on your cruise so we went out of new orleans to cozumel and costa maya okay and yeah and is that something you would do again was that a good that was a really experience? good one yeah i don't like the five day i'm a seven day plus now i think i think I've, i think i'm like elevated graduated moved up because uh, you spend so much money going, it's like you might as well be as long as you can. Right. So we booked, we're going out of Long Beach and we're going to Mazalan, Puerto Vallarta, and Cabo. Wow. Yeah. So well, that's, what I'm that's not a might, bad might tradition to start yeah. there. Might be a thing. <laughs> that's pretty fun. That yeah. was fun. We did Christmas one time in Orlando. We did. And yeah. So And it was kind of rainy a little bit, I remember, off and on. And yeah, a little bit. We went and saw your mom uh, on Christmas Day, outside yeah. of yeah. Yeah, Orlando. But it was weird. To be in Florida in like Disneyland and yep. 60s sun. or 70s sun, and you're like, there's no snow, and this is not yeah. the right terrain. It was kind of different Christmas experience. Yeah, it didn't I don't, feel. I'm trying to think. I don't know if I've ever not done Christmas in Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Even when I was in college, I'd come back home. I don't think I've ever not been home for Christmas. Yeah. And it's normally cold and snowy. Yeah. And well, and the good thing is, is my little brother flew down with his. His son, so we had more family. I brought a little pop-up tree. I tried to do a little, <laughs> little oh, okay. awesome. yeah, I brought it with. And so it was good. It was so good. Now you That's you fun. think, just like Cindy, when we did that Orlando trip and we were there for Christmas, Cindy brought little short trees, yep. one for each of the boys, yep. and little tiny ornaments and presents just to yep. make right. the hotel room seem a little yeah. bit it, like Christmas. Yeah, make it feel like it. And on the cruise, they do a whole Christmas theme. You know, there's trees all over, decoration. You can write a letter to Santa. So I tried my hardest to, you know, and make it Christmassy, you know, mm -hmm. Jesus, all that. But really, we're on vacation too. But yeah. the question our listeners want to have an answer. The question our listeners want to have an answer to is: Did you write a letter to Santa? And if you did, what did you ask for? Oh, so I did not. <laughs> what about Matthew? No, mm, no Matthew's no. your husband, well, and he, then well, yes, Matthew's my husband, and my two sons, Nathan and Lucas. But you know, he could have dropped a letter. In the lobby area. That's a good point. I don't know. You better check. He probably asked <laughs> but he for a cruise anything, next no. year. Yeah. He's already he was, gotten next year's Christmas of, present. Yeah, he was ahead of the game. Booked. He was like, next year, I want a cruise. That's awesome. Well, even better, how we even paid for this one. I'm, I'm big. You know, every dollar has a name. I love it. I financially budget out everything. So last year, I won both of my fantasy football leagues. Okay? I want, and then my husband won one of his. <laughs> so we won $1,800 last year. Ooh. Wow. I mean, Holy not to say what, but so that's what paid for the whole cruise. So that, that last year, 
paid for our cruise this year, so it was paid out. So fantasy football season's over for this year. So did you guys win yeah, again? Yeah. So I lost horribly. I didn't even make it to the playoffs, <laughs> and then I had to give up the bell. It was all sad, sad. But he came in second on one of his, which the winnings paid for him to play for free. So I mean, okay. You know. okay. That's gambling is not really. I don't know if that's supposed to be on here, but I. But I'm human, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We all. Everybody likes to gamble. Anybody who says yeah. they don't, and then they're like, "Oh, I went to my kid's school and did a raffle." Oh, that's gambling. Just saying. You know, like it, it, you at know. the church, I did a. I bought a ticket for a basket at Halloween one year. Yeah. Yeah, that's gambling. That's raffling. And I. Oh, well, I just know, considered a donation. Okay. When yeah. we first moved to Wilbur, I got an education about gambling. So, so you know, gambling sort of has this stigma. And I understand there's an irresponsible side to that and an addictive side, so I'm Amen. not going to minimize that. But but this idea that, well, oh, I bought a raffle ticket or a lotto ticket, so I'm a gambler, it's, it's an unnecessary and inaccurate stigma. The farmers in Wilbur pointed this out to me. They said, you want to talk gambling? Oh, yeah, their whole livelihood. They take out a loan in order to plant the crop. That's All right. the seed and the equipment and the fuel, everything, operating expenses... And they don't know until it's harvest time whether or not that's going to pay off. Right. And it's tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. Talk about gambling. They're gambling with a crop every year. And they said, you know, to, to, to buy a lottery ticket or to gamble 10 bucks is nothing. It's dropping the bucket compared to what we do on a regular basis to provide for our families. That's right. And sometimes they lose. Sometimes it's, it's not good. And sometimes yep. it's great. You know, it's, it's gambling. Yep, mm -hmm. absolutely. And it's like the way we look at it too, and addiction is a huge part of my story, and I'll share that here in a little bit. But it's uh, we're paying for entertainment, right? Like at the oh, end yeah. of the day, that's what it is. It's fun. I mean, exactly. I love football. So, and and like if I get a cruise for free, yeah. and there's a huge cruise difference. Yeah, and yeah. you're budgeting. You're going, hey, I know that, you know, if I lose this twenty, fifty, hundred dollars. I it's, budgeted that out. It's, fun money. it's my fun money. It's Correct. like, hey, we're go gonna movie, go. Yeah, I'm gonna go to a movie, or I'm gonna go put twenty dollars down. Yeah. yeah. Hey, speaking of gambling, I, we all took a risk getting in our cars and coming here today. <laughs> right. Oh, hey, and the roads true. are treacherous. Seriously, yeah, so that's true. Gamble. Well, so what? Wait, one more thing. I okay. just have to share since we're already on. You know, everyone's gonna hear. So the other reason I booked the cruise, so we all know for next Christmas, is our, because you want to take all of us with yeah. you. Let's go. Let's go. I'll send you. I'll send you the bill. I'll do. I'll do the work and organize. So the other cool thing is we, we, our flight got canceled. So, again, if you fly, right, weather, whatever this whole virus thing we want to talk about is, um, our flight got canceled on a Monday night in New Orleans. So we got rebooked on Tuesday morning. Well, to make, first of all, lemonade out of some lemons, the only Monday night football game going on was in New Orleans. We went to the Superdome and went to the Miami vs. Saints game. Oh, oh let's go. Awesome. No big deal. So that was cool. That's so awesome. So then I get back a couple days later and I'm calling for my husband's rapid rewards, booking another trip, but we won't say that one. And I'm like, hey, you know, that our flight got canceled. I don't know what you guys could do. We ended up spending a couple extra hundred bucks. And she goes, yeah, we don't reimburse for in incidentals, but let me see what we could do. So she get on hold. She jumps back on. She goes, yeah, I can give you guys $200 each credit through Southwest. So we ended up getting $800. <laughs> and then I, my brother doesn't fly, so I got his as well. So I paid for our flights for next year for the Chris. There you okay. go. Oh, so anyway. Yes. This anyway, people like listening are who's this lady yeah. and does she book for me? Can I get? <laughs> yeah, her oh yeah, you, you <laughs> might have another five zero nine travel agent. Yeah. Have you ever considered opening your own agency, travel that's, agent? You, you know that's so funny. So I get that asked a lot in event planning because mm -hmm. that's what you do for a living currently. Yeah, currently, exactly. I mean, you're but Monday through Friday, people. Yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, the reason why I would never do it is nights and weekends. Mm. I and, and I get paid to do what I love. I am in love with my job. I can't even believe I, God has blessed me with this. It's so amazing. And, and I, I feel like I'm operating in my gift. Right. Like, that's the other thing. Like, yeah, you're in your sweet spot. I am. And uh -huh. so I'm like, mm, no. Yeah. You don't need <laughs> but I'll do it for free because I love it. And I want people to experience what I've experienced. Yeah. You don't need that phone call from someone in New Orleans on a Monday night going, hey, they just rescheduled us. Oh, what do we do? And it's mad about yeah, it. Yeah. Mad. Don't know how to call. make lemonade. Yeah. You go <laughs> to the game and then you get 400 bucks from Southwest. That's what you do, people. Eight. <clears throat> oh, eight. There was four of us. All right. That's true. But anyways, back to gambling, yes. I was just going to point out, like, it happens all throughout the scriptures in a really, like, Jesus way when Judas wasn't a disciple anymore because he was not around. They needed to replace him, and mm -hmm. they had criteria for people who had been with, you know, Jesus all along. And then Acts one twenty six, they cast lots. That's what they did. Like, they drew straws or they threw a dice. Like, they cast yeah. a lot. Like priests in the Old Testament, they casted lots to see yeah, what God a, wanted to do. It was a common do. practice in the Old Testament. Uh, that's the only New Testament Right. Example that we have 
Not that it didn't go on other times, but yeah, that's exactly what. And it's a little unclear exactly what casting lots is. I've read lots of different comments. And yeah. I don't think they know for sure exactly what it is that's going on, but it's like drawing straws. Yeah, they were trusting yep. Jesus. They were like, okay, God, who do you want us to pick? Here's two qualified dudes. We could go with either one. It's not a bad choice, but it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's funny. Had. Like, you know, you meet like a real spiritual person when they say it. Like, I was talking to my buddy who was at YWAM. Jared was doing stuff, and so they were in class trying to figure out who who was going to present first and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, we had we casted lots." I was like, "Bro, did they call it?" Yeah, that? I was like, "Yeah, uh-huh. oh, okay, we casted lots to see who preached." What first. they do? Put names yeah. in a hat? Yeah, yeah exactly. Out. I'm like, you just <laughs> randomly names. selected, but it was really spiritual because they prayed over it and they casted lots. I was like, "Oh my god, bro, you just you <laughs> picked them a I name." Think that's out of what a hat. you do at YWAM. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the other thing that happened at Christmas was we went sledding a ton. Oh and boy! Yeah, did you get out? Did you get any snowboarding in or sledding? I I have a cheaper pass, so I can't oh, go snowboarding the over the break. Yeah, that's but right. I did sled. I went sled with you. That's true. So one of the the coolest things is when we get this much snow, the private road above your house freezes over, and it's just a just a sheet. So we bust out the radio flexi flyers from 1985. Or We've whatever. had them since you kids were little. Yeah, from 40 years ish. Well, I'm not that 30, old. 35. I'm not that old. Ish. At least 35. You're, you're pushing 50, aren't you, Scott? Negative. <laughs> Anyways, so we hike up the private road, and then we just sled down the the road, and it is a hoot. It is so fun. Because we, we go up, the road's like two miles long. So we hike up about a mile, and there's a stretch, and so I threw my GPS on because, you, you know, numbers, you want to know. There's a stretch that's super steep. Uh, then you hit a corner, and you're literally like drifting like Tokyo Drift around the corner. Tokyo. So I uh, had Olivia on my back. It's the old school metal runner one with the wood, you know, top. Like you just so down low to the classic ground. Yep. sled. On so your, on your, your you lay on your down. belly. Yep. And then Olivia's laying on top of me. Um, yeah, we all had kids because we only had three sleds. And the road's going by at twenty. How many? Twenty five. Twenty five miles, miles an, hour. an hour, which is awesome when your face is four inches from <laughs> the ground. It's pretty fun. So that's awesome. But it, we we used to do that when we didn't have a hill in our old neighborhood, and we had a Pontiac 6000 sedan. And You're Craig, not w- tell this Craig story. would ho- hook up a You're rope to the back of the story. car when we first got him. So we were like eight and nine years old, and he would throw a rope out the back, and he would tow us around the neighborhood, and we would drive. I can't imagine doing this right now with my kids. We're we're <laughs> idiot kids, and and you got in trouble one time because we were driving or hit a corner and we drifted out and there was an oncoming car and we're being towed behind the car and we almost got killed and so we end up back at the <laughs> That's house a little bit of an exaggeration you weren't on the sled craig <laughs> let's just say that like from from four inches off the ground when you're looking at uh, underneath side of a car it's like you come around the corner and you sw- swing now, a little wider way than you wide and just to be clear, or we're driving it could have been us driving way wide because you could steer it right so responsibility and there were no on both speeds parties. approaching 25 miles an hour this is much slower I'm sure it was like 50 Anyways, we got back to the house. I think you had to have a conversation with an officer. I, I, we didn't even get back to the house. Didn't get back to the house. So the so one of the neighbors called, and um, the sheriff showed up, and then another sheriff showed up. So there's two cars. Lights are flashing. They have me pulled over in my neighborhood about a block and a half from the house. And uh, they come up, and they just give me the riot act. You know, it's just like, sir, do you realize how dangerous you are? You know, and that whole thing. And then they go back to their cars, and then they are conferring for the longest time, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is not going to end Going to well. get a ticket. They came back. I did get a ticket, but they came back, and they told me, they said, we are going to give you a ticket for negligent driving, which is a misdemeanor, but we could have given you a ticket for... Child endangerment something or something like, like that, that yeah. which is, which think is a felony, much more yeah. serious thing, and we were debating whether to go that way or not. And part of the reason, and then he explained to me, he said part of the reason that they're all over it at that particular time, particularly serious about it, is... There had been um, somebody in a parking lot being pulled on a sled, got killed like a few days before that, and a couple of other things like that. So they were really clamping down on, you know, yeah. irresponsible parents and idiot kids. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't ski jogged behind a school Way bus throw before? Or a car? A school bus? Yeah. I, I never did a school bus. I was going to say. You saw kids do it behind the school bus? Anyways, it happens in my neighborhood all the time. Four-wheelers come out and kids are... Flying down the yeah, road. Yeah, we live in Idaho. There's different rules over there. Yeah. Like, my kids are at school today. Normal time to show up. Well, so are East Valley kids. They yeah. didn't close. Are they really? No, they're an hour and a half late. Well, well but, but they yeah. didn't close. They didn't close. Yeah. So, anyways, a lot, a lot of that. But, uh, Sarah, we have you on as a guest. It's helpful for uh, hear different voices, uh, not just, like, how to beat the travel program. I mean, how 
Like, yeah, you should start a blog or something. Yeah. Travel hacks. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Uh, but your story, we love to have people on just share their story of how they found Jesus and help others hear that, connect to that, maybe help someone that they know too. But So how did you find Jesus? Okay, so let's see. I'll start just a little history, you know, kind of where I came from. Uh, I did not grow up in the church at all. Um, I come from a pretty long line of um, addicts, like I shared a little bit ago. Addiction is a huge part of my story. My mom has been using hard drugs the majority of my life and trying to get sober and, and use and get sober and use. And so when she would get sober, she would move across the country, basically. So we would move every six to eight months in my life. I've been to 13 schools in 12 years. And in high school, I went to the same high school. Well, I got kicked out for smoking weed, but we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, so we just moved all over. I come, my, my mom was an addict her my whole life. And then my, Are you like from Spokane area, would you come back here? Yep. I was born in Spokane. Okay. Yep. And then when I was four, that was the first time we moved ish. Um, when she started getting pretty bad, we moved to California. Yep. And so, so yeah. And then my dad, he was an alcoholic and he used drugs. He actually brought the hard drugs way back before I was even born to my family. He knows my mom and all five of her brothers, like just a horrible thing, right? Like not, nothing where you're, you're not the nice positive stories as a childhood. So that's where, that's where I came from. Like I, I grew up in that environment and as a kid, I didn't really know that. Like I just thought we moved all the time. That's something that my mom, I would say maybe on the days where she was more like smoking weed and was like, pow, wow, let's sit together and let's talk about our feelings. Like I think she did a really good job at a lot of things because I look in the mirror and I love who I am, right? Like I think she did well. But then there was things where I'm like, oh, oh, that happened. And I had to process that later in my life, right? So anyway, I ended up, we moved back here, and I went to high school, started drinking and smoking weed myself. Again, not, no God, no nothing um, at all. Briefly, we went to a Methodist church just because they had fun activities at a gym, right? So everybody who has a gym is pretty cool. Dodgeball is like the best thing ever. Uh, so we'd go there, and then I started liking boys, and that's why I went is because there was boys there. Yeah, that's natural. Common, we right? All, we, everybody, everybody that's gone that to a youth group is like, yeah, because there's people there. That that's why we did like. it. Were your parents together this whole time? No. Okay. I always joke. My parents were together two days, me and my brother. <laughs> like, you know. Right. Okay. Um, no, they weren't. My, um, they were together, I think, for a couple years, a few years when we were younger. Craig just laughed like he just got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I'm trying not to laugh out loud. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's okay. And no, I was it's a joke. I you was can debating in my head whether to make a comment <laughs> and a smart aleck remark. You're welcome. So yeah, so they and then my mom met my little sister's dad. So I have a little brother who's 14 months younger than me and a sister who's 22 months younger than him. So we're really close in age and really close period. Um, so yeah, so did all that and then kind of went to youth group a little bit here and there and then but d never Never knew, like didn't know it. And then I get, um, get into high school, drinking and smoking weed was like my thing, right? That's where I found connection. That's where I found people. That's where I like, I, I'm, an, I'm a pretty, I'd say outgoing. I already said loud, I'm a loud person. Um, I don't know if I was that much younger. I think I developed those skills. Moving every six months in school, it's either if you're gonna show up at a new school and you want any friends, you better either be able to be okay to be aggressive or you're gonna get eaten alive. And so I think I developed those along the way. So I, I, I'm okay with that skill set. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, it's serving you really well. You know, I yeah. mean, hey. Um, and so then in high school, though, I found people because I was there to stay now. Now I didn't care if my mom got, you know, wanted to get sober and move away. I was over that. Like, I was there to stay. I felt like I was, I could stay if I wanted now. I can get emancipated, all those things that went through my head. And I found this, these great girls that, who I'm still friends with today, which is kind of cool. Um, and this community, but with drinking and smoking weed, that's all we live for. It's everything we did. No Jesus, no God, no nothing. And then my whole family, like I shared, my mom was on hard drugs. And methamphetamines was, was what they all did, my whole family. So at this point, mom has five brothers, every single one of them out in a different capacity. You know, meth cooks, all this horrible, ugly stuff. And that was the environment we lived in. And <clears throat> so in high school, are you thinking, hey, there's other families that do it different than we do? Or was it still like, oh, this is just way families function? Yeah, this is way. Yeah. Like, doesn't everybody have uncles that are cooking meth? Yep. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, sort of. I think once I started, once I started drinking like heavily all the time and, and weed, I didn't really care anymore that that was my life. 
I was like, now, I, I think that's just because I what I found. If, uh, and not to say my mom and everybody wasn't a family. Like, we had a family, which was dysfunctional. But I, I found my own dysfunctional family that was me, that I was able to find. Um, and so... So then I graduate, and I was going to go to the Navy, actually, was what I wanted to do. I was like, yeah, because I'm thinking, I don't know what. I... So anyway, I went down. I, I had a recruiter. I had all the things. I did the test. I did all that. And then I graduate high school, and I was going. I was going to go. And I, so I did cocaine. So I never, I never did hard drugs before that. I did cocaine, and I did it every single day for three months straight. And in those, within those first couple weeks, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm 17 years old. My mom would have to sign for me to go to the Navy. I got the rest of my life. No, I think, I think doing coke's a better idea. And in those stupid moments, that's what I decided to do. So I dropped out of everything, um, made horrible, ugly decisions, lost all my friends. Cause, so even though I'm friends with those same girls now, did ugly, horrible stuff. We don't want to say on camera. Right. Um, but, and so I lost all that life. And then I ran and was like, oh, I'm just going to do hard drugs. So how did you get to cocaine? Um, like, did someone introduce you to it? Yeah, one of your other friends? in the party world, people were doing it the whole time in high school. I just never touched it because knowing my whole family was a bunch of junkie, dope fiend people, I'm like, oh no, I can't do that. If I do that, then that's what I'll end up being. So there was knowing now, was it God? Was it some cool protection that I had over me to never try that and experience that in high school? I don't know. Did you feel like you needed to finish high school and like oh, absolutely. doing the hard smart. drugs was going to be, absolutely. Uh, you know, take you off the track. But once you got done, you're like, oh, it's, it's okay if I try yeah. some cocaine because I'm post high school. Absolutely. Yeah. And in high school, it came so easy. So I had straight A's just by showing up. Yeah. So it, I knew like there was something inside me where I knew and I, and I had these great friends and I thought I was going to go to the Navy or then for a second I was going to go to move to California and get away from my family, go to college. So I, yeah, I knew I needed to graduate. Yes. So that was the motivator. Ian, I mean, you're intelligent, but you're also hustling, right? Were you in high school, right? Because I mean, yeah. I, I know you now in the last whatever, yeah. five or 10 years and yep. you always are hustling, working yep. hard. Whether yep. it's party planning or planning next yep. year, but at work or with people and friends, yep. so I'm sure that was true because that's part of your hardwiredness. Of yeah, in high school, yeah. I work my my one of my cousins. I went and I would clean his house. He was a weed dealer or whatever, but I clean his house and and pooper scoop because he had like 15 pit bulls. <laughs> no joke, but I would make as much weed as I wanted and always had cash in my pocket all through high school. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Was that good? I don't know. But it did teach me, again, like, I love the work. I am a hard worker, but I love it. It fills my tank. I love it. You and I have a lot of things in common, including that last thing you said about I always had plenty of weed and cash in my pocket all through high school. Yeah, yeah business opportunities, just different business than yep. I had a paper route. I mean, it's just different, so. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, kind of fast forward. Once I started doing cocaine, that is... That's what led me down, right? And that's a whole other long story. But cocaine is really expensive. I don't know if you know. I never did cocaine. My friends did. Um, but I, and I came really close. Okay. But I never did. I don't okay. know why exactly. I know why I didn't shoot up because I hated needles. I was sure. always leery of them. But, but they, were, they were snorting coke and different things. And leery. I, you would pass out. Yeah, yeah. You you almost faint when you see other people with, like, that, IVs in. The, blood, like, the blood drive, you don't do that? That actually was... True for many, many years. You're past that now? Uh, I have been for several years, and it was the uh, allergy, allergy shots, shots for five years yeah. that got me past that whole psychosomatic reaction. Right. Yeah, I was just at the hospital. Uh, somebody from our church, his dad died here <clears throat> recently, and he was hooked up to a bazillion tubes and monitors, and right. there was you know, IV and all kinds of stuff. Didn't phase me a bit. And that's been true for several years. But yeah, right. there was a time when I'll it's take like... Take it back. There you yeah. go. Yep. Yeah. Needles make me pass out. I have to sit down and get lightheaded, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so you have this dysfunctional family, yep. but you still got family-ish and mm -hmm. people together. Uh, drugs is a huge part of life and addiction. Yep. Um, so now you find yourself like, what do I do in life? Yeah, right? yeah. And so, well, yeah, so after the Coke, that's, it, got, it, it was really expensive. So then my whole family didn't do Coke. Uh, that was the party scene with my friends. It was methamphetamines was the, the drug. My whole family, like all my cousins, well... The majority of my cousins, the majority of my uncles, not my brother and sister. And so that was what I ended up, I remember, I remember the moment when I took that first hit and I thought, I'm going to, this is going to be my story for the rest of my life. 
because that's what everybody's story was. I got 60-year-old uncles still using, and they've been using since they were teenagers. And so then fast forward, I get in trouble with the law. I get in trouble. I just go out and I, again, like I said with Coke, right? I, the moment I did it, I did it every single day for four months, however many months. The moment I did meth, I did it every single day for four and a half years, except like every day. That's all I cared about. That's all I live for, except for, I got arrested a few times. So I did about a year of my life in county jail. So except when I was in jail or except when I was so exhausted that I would fall out. So, like, where I would be if I'd be at my family's house and I'd be on the couch and I would just, I needed to sleep. Right. So, I never, in four and a half years, went to go lay down and be like, oh, I'm going to go to bed tonight. Never. Wow. Four and a half years. Wow. So, then that got me into my last little bit of trouble. I went to county jail and this girl shows up who I used with and she was madly in love with this free on the inside Bible. And I was like, okay, lady. And, and, and right? And so, it's like I knew her from the outside. So, I'm like, oh, okay. And, and in jail... People get out. People come back in. I was in there. I was in Spokane County for five months. Straight? I, straight. Okay. Not Geiger. I didn't get sent. I got arrested on an armed robbery for stealing scrap metal and biting somebody with my teeth. I was armed with my teeth. <laughs> That's serious. I mean, it's hilarious. I look weapon. back down and I go, oh, you're so hilarious. Like, Do you have braces on? Like, no. Nope, vicious nope, teeth? No. Nope. And then one of the officers made fun of me because I got some of my teeth pulled. You know, do, doing drugs, your teeth aren't the best. He goes, oh, well, they should let you go. Then you're not armed anymore. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, the best. That's a good. That's but, a good line. But in jail, I fell in love with myself. I got a job in laundry. I I played cards all the time. I went to bed every night. I woke up. I made friends. I was fun, excited. Like I was the life of the party. And I was like, well, I kind of like who I am, without even knowing Jesus. Right? Didn't know Jesus. Right. I liked who I was. I'm like, oh, I I could have this life outside. Those were the things that. Start, those were the thoughts that started coming yeah. to my head. Was that the first time? Like. I mean, what was your experience like in high school, even though it was just more alcohol and weed? Was it the first time you felt like, oh, this is who I really am as a person? Yeah, because even when I smoked weed every moment I could. So I wasn't sober. Yeah, you weren't in tune with who no. you are. Well, and as a teenager, do you really know who you no, are? No, right. Like, let's that's, be real. It's, it's, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It's complex yeah. and complicated yes. to begin with. It's really Absolutely. hard. So, um, yeah, like, so you have this kind of... Who, who am I moment? Yep. I like I like who I am. Yep. And so how do you get to, to Jesus with, yes. the, so with that, the lady yes. with the Bible? Get the lady with the Bible, really. So again, I used with her. She got federally indicted, big time drug dealer, whatever. Shows up, and like I said, people come in and out in jail, right? And so all the people who would come in, they'd open up and they'd start praying and reading. And I just remember thinking, you are so fake. Like, don't I don't even want anything to do with you. Until, like God knew this. Until it was somebody I knew and, and cared about a little bit and trusted where I was like, huh, maybe. So I, and, and that, was the, that was the only thought was maybe there could be something where I'm like, oh, okay. So it's free on the inside. Have you guys ever heard of that Bible? It's the big prison ministry Bible, Jesus Bible. Um, so then she starts reading it, bawling her ass at me all the time. So she, we did like three months together in there. And she could not believe the words in that, at the time, book. I'm like, okay. But... I, in secret, in my room, in the room, in my cell, that's yeah, a room. <laughs> yeah, when you live there room. five months, it's like, it's your life. It's double occupancy. Yeah, yeah. I read, um, uh, and, and randomly, it was Matthew 6, 34, uh, do not worry about tomorrow, right? And in, in jail, all you do is worry about tomorrow. And that was the first verse where I was like, oh, it says that in there. That's kind of cool. And again, still just left it at that, right? So then I get out. Because I fell in love with who I was, or, or was like, wow, I kind of do what I kind of want this, uh, or who I could be, I guess. Maybe because I still didn't really know who I was, but I'm like, man, yeah. I'm tired yeah. of having to use. Yeah, I can't. I mean, you you cruise through it, and I yeah, and I know because oh, we're there's on, so much. We're yeah. on a podcast and yeah. time for refrain, but you you didn't like go to bed for four and a half years, like that just is a, a astounding thought to me to like, you know, and it's so. I think it just helps to us to understand how it, when we say, oh, people are addicted or it's controlling their life, like that's, that's a different level where yes. it's, it's all consuming as far as what you're Everything. looking to get a fix, you're looking to get a fix. Everything. And, I, and I'm assuming with my experience, no meth, like that is very common with most people, right? When you use meth takes over your whole everything, everything you care about. But coming, I think, from a huge line of, 
of addicts. I think that like, it's also in my genes and it was in my environment. Yeah. Right? I grew up with the addiction mindset where my mom was just strung out her whole life trying to figure out and she didn't know who she was until recently. Mm. You know? And so, yeah, it takes over. And people who under, like if anybody is hearing this, like you can relate. Like if you have used meth, you can relate. Yes, it took over every single thing. Or currently it's taking over every single thing, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And there's so much in it, right? I could talk for 40 hours about, you know, those experiences. Right. But. Plus you're an all-in kind of person. So when you're all like, that. oh, we're, we're trying this drug, and then we're going to try this drug. Or, Every you know, day, now all day. it's like, I'm in on Jesus. Now we're yep. all in on Jesus. Yep. So, so back to That's you good. got out of jail. Yep. And... So I got out of jail and I knew I didn't know I wanted I knew I didn't want to get loaded and I knew I didn't want to go back there. Right? Like the because I could have I could play Pinochle outside of jail. What? <laughs> um, so that's what I knew, but I didn't know I wanted God. So the girl who got federally indicted, she got out a little bit early and she goes, Hey, there's this recovery church, we're gonna come pick you up. And so she came and picked me up and I would go to this church and Still, not even believing it. I'm like, okay, what I did like is there was a bunch of other people like me. There was a bunch of other people who, meth, heroin, all these different things that were just trying to figure it out, didn't want to use anymore, and didn't want to go back to jail, right? And, and, but yet, they had a little bit, a little extra. So then I had to do treatment and all this, and I had to get a slip signed. So I had to go to these small groups that were after the large group. So I went there, and I'm like, at first, I tried to hustle, and I'm like, hey, will you sign my slip? And the girl goes, absolutely not. If you're gonna, I, I will sign it if you come. And so then I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll go. Still hustling, right? And in those rooms, the relationships that I saw with these women, I'm like, oh, I want that, right? I didn't have that. My mom was still out there doing whatever. I had this girl, Taryn, that I met, that I loved, that I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But, but I didn't have this awesome connection with women like I had back in high school. So I did have those relationship connections. But I'm like, I want that. And then hearing all the stuff up on, uh, on stage, like the, the pastor's talking and, and just like this freedom. And I'm like, how do I get set? Like, like all these things that I was questioning. And then I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Right. I, I, I kept going back to all those fake people that came into county and they just, re- no, that's not who I'm going to be, right? right? If it's going to be real, it's going to be real for me. Were you free of drugs, like just the, on the physical part? Did you have, like, the withdrawal period, the coming off after being in jail? Did you have? Yeah, I mean, so meth is different. Yeah, and meth is a little different. You sleep. So I slept for like seven days at maximum security, yes. Yeah. So it was, it's not like a withdrawal, right? Like alcohol, yeah. heroin, but yes, but I had a desire to go back to it is what I'm driving at. Oh. There, there's the physical part, yes. like my body needs that drug, yes. but then it's a spiritual and an emotional thing. Yes. It's just comforting as far as this is who I am, this is my routine. Did you have that after jail? Like, so as the you're tr- in this community of Jesus people, you're yeah. like, I like what they have going yep. on. So, so I didn't, I didn't have the, the, the desire to use and com- completely remove from my body didn't happen until I accepted Christ. The, the desire to not want to go back to jail or use, it was more that. It wasn't, it wa- it wasn't, um, it wasn't the positive and the, and the completely set free, yet it w- I was still in this, like, wrestling with, oh, my gosh, I just don't want to do that, and I was still like this, yeah. right? It wasn't until I, I went through for there for about a year, eight months, nine months, whatever, and all these little things, I was going to the groups, and I was wanting that, and God was changing my heart this whole time, not knowing, and then praying for my mom. Mom's still out there freaking stealing scrap metal, doing all the dumb stuff that we all did. And then every single Wednesday and Friday, and I went to church because I did 100% in my addiction, right? 120. Um, I did 120% in my recovery because I knew that. Like, I knew that about me. And they had Monday night groups, Tuesday night groups, Wednesday church, Thursday groups, Friday. Like, they had something every night of the week. And for me, I needed that at first. I needed somewhere to be. Yeah. Right after I got off work, I needed somewhere to be. Yeah, you got to keep so the I, schedule full so, so you I don't did have it. idle time. Exactly. So every Wednesday and Friday, this pastor gave you the opportunity to accept Christ. And for eight months, I'm like, okay. And you go to the altar, and I'd go to the altar all fake, like, like okay. But I, I was, like, in this moment of, man, why not? Like, wh- why not at least say it, believe it for how I know how to believe it, and what, in my head, I just kept thinking, like, the logical part of me trying to figure it all out is like, well, if it's not, it's not. Like, why not try? And then, so then I said the prayer truly, like, by myself, not up there just thinking, like, the, what I know the enemy does now, right? Just try, takes your thoughts. But I was, like, intentional with, I believe this for me now. 
And so I'm like, okay. And I just remember thinking, which is emotional. But I just remember thinking, yeah, I could have that. So I said it and I believed it. And within a week, like little things started happening in my life. And it's just, it's so beautiful because that's how much God loves me. And I didn't even know that. Yeah. I still get emotional today because it's so overwhelming to think about his love for me. And so when I get up there and I'm like, man, I said it. And then like I shared with about my mom, within a couple weeks, she was done, right? She was ready to be done. And we've been praying about her in those small groups with those women forever. And I'm like, can you believe that? Like it was just God knew that I needed those little faith strengthening moments. So it was like my mom. And then, then I wanted the lights to be on because I love the church, right? And so I gave $25 out of the 250 bucks I, I earned that week. And then, bam, I got a job I've been trying to get forever. And then, like, little things in my life. I remember all those ugly things I did to my friends I told you about. No joke, it was like a month after I, I made these things and I it went through it in my step work. The girl who I hurt the most called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to forgive you. <laughs> like, I am not playing. God showed up in the most powerful way. Within a month, I was like, do you guys know about him? <laughs> like, are you serious? And it was, it's just his love. Like, he was waiting the whole time. Right. It was so beautiful. It's how Jesus transforms people. <laughs> it's, not, it's not made up when maybe that girl in the cell was yeah. crying with you. Like, when you read in the scriptures that God makes you brand new. You know, like the old is gone, the new has come. It's like, it's not just a theory or an opinion. It's no. for all of us that our life is transformed in dramatic ways. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And now it's like, I still get emotional because. And how long has it been? It's been like that? 11 years. Okay. Yep. 11 years. Almost like, and it's so emotional for me because it's so real. And any single person who's out there can have this exact same story. I heard it and I don't know, it might've been you because I came here for five years, which I love this place. Um, it's like, it's this gift. If I could give you this gift, I would, right? It's like, I can't do it. It's there for you. Right. What I have, I want everybody to have now. And that's just, that's just when the moment happened, right? Within those, those, you know, it was like a, a month really of everything being like, holy cow. And I'm like a very all in, like you already said. Yeah. And I wanted everyone to know. Yeah. Right. Who everyone. doesn't, who doesn't want everyone to know? Exactly. Yeah. So kind of, I mean, fast forward a little bit, but yep. you're part of that recovery church, yep. and then I'm sure you're growing in yep. your involvement there yep. and leadership and helping stuff, and then part of Mission Church and then helping plant Northbridge yep. uh, Church uh, over the last couple of years and uh, getting that going. And a huge part of the, the launch of that is helping people find recovery, helping Absolutely. people with your same story. And I was just, um, oh, I'm in the wrong spot here, but I was just always in in awe of God when he uses our stories and uses all the junk and we think is not good to do something great with, right? And not that he wants us to go through all that stuff and he wants to save it from uh, us from going through ex horrible experiences, but when we do go through them, then it gives us a different level of sympathy and empathy and be able to comfort one another and know people's stories. Um, and I just second... I'm trying to find it here. Second Corinthians one four just says, um, "Well, I'll start in three. Praise, praise be to the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the with the comfort we ourselves have received from God." I didn't read that well, but you get the <laughs> point. What we've gone through allows us to experience how God loves us through all of that and you can yep. you know you know your story more than anybody else but like through all of that means this and that and since that thing and the other thing so that we have this comfort from God and the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of God and then we go well let me help some people and as Absolutely. and as difficult as it is to work with people <laughs> at times you're like oh my goodness we always come back to that like how much I've been forgiven by God yep. comforted by God graced by God shown mercy it allows me and your story allows you to help others in the Absolutely. same way and so you and matthew helping lead freedom now re recovery at at northbridge what what has that journey been like the last couple of years just really stepping into that role of yeah so it's pro providing um, an environment on thursday nights for folks and that's what we do yeah week. so yeah so on thursday nights absolutely out at northbridge um it's been interesting because, like, people are so awesome, right? People are the most amazing. It's why it's why you stepped into the pastor role. It's why we all do what we do. 
and then people are challenging, right? Like it's so, but, but in that is so cool because yeah. I understand when I was that challenging, when I was trying to get my slip signed and I was trying to hustle and work the system and I'm like, God, right? Not, didn't necessarily put me through that story, but my story now is how I am empowered to be like, mm, no, you can still come. Right. And I have uh, grace and truth. I probably error on truth because I'm more of a drill sergeant lady, uh, but, but he, he knows that that's where I should be. That, that helps you. I mean, you could probably sniff out some hustling from like a mile away. Yeah. My problem is I call it out. I go, ooh, I shouldn't always call everything out. <laughs> That's what I'm working through. Hey, I'm learning and growing 12 years later. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think, I, I believe and I know and I tr trust God that he has equipped me with the skills to be able to love these people in this ministry well. Can you give us a little bit of help for anybody listening, for us as well? Um, that's not my story. I didn't go through yeah. it. I've wa walked with people through different seasons and, um, you know, people closer to me walking through addictions and, mm -hmm. you know, extended family members having to uh, go to 30-day inpatient, you know, just different yeah. situations. But how, how do we best, like, help someone, like someone that, like yourself and your story when you were, you know, going through that four-and-a-half-year stint or that season of your life? Like, how do we help people find Jesus? How do we help them understand the love and grace and mercy of God? Like, what are what's something that you find is super that's helpful a, for? That's a really deep question. I, I know. It's like, if I had all those answers, I don't think we'd have any problems, right? Right. Um, well, what worked for you? Absolutely. So, if I get from grace and truth, is something I learned from Craig throughout this, and it's Jesus was a hundred percent grace and a hundred percent truth, right? And so, what I see often is. It's family members and people, they want to love their, their addict family members or whatever, but they do it to the point of enabling, right? And so it's, some, it's this weird line to make sure that you're not doing it so much to where you're leaving them cush and comfortable to where then they could stay in their addiction. If, if I wasn't, you know, if I didn't hit my bottom, I would have never been able to get to the top, right? And so, so that's really hard. At the same time, you want to be able to love them. And you want, you want them to be like, wow, what does Scott have that I, that's what I want. What does he have? What's so different about him? And so people say that all the time to me. They're like, what, how do you get this energy? Where do you get this? How are you like that? And I'm like, Jesus, in my work environment, my play, everything. And so when I think about loving them and people suck, right? People are so great, but people suck. Um, it's making sure you don't enable them, but then show them the life that they can have. It's really hard with people in addiction, Right. And so, and then as many environments or resources and things that you can, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, if I'm being yeah. completely honest, sitting them down and trying to pray and, and thump the Bible over them, most of the time, they don't, that's not going to work. You know, it's the life yeah. that they're going to see. To that point and to Scott's question, um, I, I'm just, as I'm listening, I'm very impressed with the, the story that is yours to tell, even though it's, it's uniquely your story. Some people have your story, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. But what everybody has is a story. Anybody who's ever come to Christ, anybody who's ever made progress with God's help, with addiction or anything, they have a story to tell. And our stories are powerful. To, right. to Scott's question, when you tell your story, people hear that and they think, you know what? I could have a story like that. Absolutely. What, what would it take for me to have a story like that? And they start asking questions. They start hungering because that story is powerful. I have Revelation chapter 12 open here because it, it points out the, the spiritual power, the, the dynamic of our story in, in this way. It says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven. This is verse 10. Uh, say this, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, this is the devil, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And, and that's just, that's a reminder that we have an accuser. So, mm. so people in addiction uh, don't need to be shamed. Absolutely. They're already feeling that self-incrimination, uh, self-condemnation, but they also get it from the enemy and probably from their peers. They certainly don't need it from a Christ follower. Absolutely. Um, that, that's the devil's tactic is to accuse and to accuse and to point out people's faults and wrongs. But then it goes on to say, and that's where the grace of Jesus and his forgiveness comes in, of course. But then it goes on to say this. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. That's mm. God's grace and forgiveness. And by the word yep. of their testimony. It's just a powerful thing. I would imagine, I know this is true for me, and I would imagine it's true for you, that you've been encouraged hearing yourself tell your own story sitting here on the couch today. 
It, it's life-giving. It's energizing. Every time I tell my story, which I did out at Northbridge mm-hmm. on, I know, on Thursday thank you. night, um, when, when I get through telling that story, it's like I, I'm empowered, and I hope other people are because it's there's something. It's not just it's the power of God at work. It's the power of and God we at work. Hear That's ourselves my point. say it. It's not just it's, the story. Yeah, it's of the not words. about Craig or Craig's story. It's it's, it's a pointing s- to the power of Jesus. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit at work in our and the lives. Ho- and, and exactly. And when we tell stories that point people to Jesus, the Holy Spirit does something in them, yep. but also in us. Yeah, yep. and it's undeniable. So I mean, the fact of, I mean, like you talk about this idea of truth and this, I mean, I, I talk to students about it all the time in this context of like, people can argue with a whole lot of stuff, uh, you know, even in your story, in in jail trying to argue. Like, that's fake. That's weird. Like, but I can't argue with that real-life transformation, that emotion that you're experiencing and, and that life change. Like, people can't argue with the fact, like, here's who I was and here's who I am. Like, that's, that's right. crazy different. And it's like, yeah, that's powerful, and you can't deny that. You can deny a lot of things, and that's fake, and that's weird, and that's, I don't believe that. I don't mm-hmm. agree with that. But, like, the power of your testimony is, like, that's powerful stuff. Absolutely. Yep. And the power of God to change your life. And I know as we're wrapping up here, um, we touched on it briefly, but how dramatically different your story is today. And you aren't what you thought you were going to be that first day you took meth, you know, going in the trajectory of your family. Um, like you and Matthew met at, at the recovery church? Yep. Okay. Yep. We met I, in a Bible study. Yeah. He shows up with that deep voice. <laughs> like, who that is? <laughs> that d- good-looking guy with a deep voice. Yep. You're like, hey. And so, yeah, his story, and yep. God brought you guys together, and yep. your life centered around Christ, and your two boys, and your, you know, both your wonderful jobs, and then uh, being part of a church plant that's helping reach people and uh, so all over. And, yeah, it's just so different. And that's all because of Jesus. That's right. Yeah. And it's so fun. So uh, hopefully it was helpful for you if you're listening in. Maybe someone shared this with you and say, hey, would you listen to Sarah's story uh, that you would find hope and life in Jesus and not in other things? Or for all of us that are trying to help others find and follow Jesus, that we would be encouraged to balance that tension that takes the Holy Spirit's guidance for 100% grace, 100% truth. When is enablement there? When is helping hurting? Yep. Uh, it's, it's, we have to stay connected to Jesus because we don't know. Uh, it's not a black and white. You always do this or you, you don't do that. But how to love people really well. It's messy, but it's worth it. Um, every minute. Every, every minute is right. Uh, so, anyways, we appreciate you tuning in. Thank you, Sarah, for Thank being you. on the podcast. I, Matthew has been on the podcast. So now we've got the whole whole family. He was on um, back in the early days. Way back. Yeah. Ben, and him, ben and I had Matthew on like at the, the Find and Follow, pre-Find and Follow. It was the old... Uh, Theology Thursday. So anyways, thanks for being here. We appreciate you. Thanks for sharing your story so uh, transparently. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week following Jesus. Stay safe in the snow.